Today we're talking about holiness. And I want to kind of present you guys with a little story that may kind of resonate with some of you, maybe not. Um, Have you ever been in bed in the middle of the night? I feel like it always happens at 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know if it's you or me. Yeah, you wake up at 3. I don't know why. We should all call each other and, like, pray or something. Anyway, so you're in bed, 3 o'clock in the morning, and it's really hot in the room. And you try to, like, you know, throw one leg out or something to see if you can get it better. But, like, there's this taste in your mouth, and it's cottony, and you're like, okay, I have to get a drink of water or I'm going to die. And so that has happened to me a couple times. I usually am cold. But so you wake up, and you need to, you decide you're going to get a drink of water. But then you have a couple decisions to make. Like, are you going to turn the lights on? on the way to the water, because in my house, like, you know, I got to go downstairs, our bedroom's on the second floor, so I wake up, and I think, okay, I don't want to turn the lights on, because A, it's going to, like, hurt my eyes, you know that thing that happens when you've been in the dark, and the lights are bright, hurts your eyes, Um, and I don't want to be, like, lights on awake, because then I'm not going to be able to go back to sleep, so those are the, I make the decision, okay, I got to get out of bed, I got to go get a drink of water, I'm going to do it in the dark. And now I don't know, I mean, if you don't have small kids, or maybe if you're a better housekeeper than me, that's okay for you to wander downstairs in the dark in the middle of the night. For me, it's like taking my own life in my hands, because there could really be literally anything. Legos are the worst. Everyone knows the Legos are so bad. But there could be like, you know, apple juice on the floor in a cup in the middle of the stairs, because my kids thought that was a good idea and a good place to keep it. Um, So... It's, it's a decision, like it's a real decision for me to make. I don't know if it's such a big decision for you or not. But one night, this happened to Derek, um, I was sleeping in bed, and I hear, duh, 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 crash. And so I like jump out of bed. I was sound asleep, and I'm like, oh my gosh, some, somebody broke in my house. Like, what's going on? So I come downstairs to find Derek <laughs> laying on, at the bottom of the stairs. He has like one foot through the baby gate, and he's like looking like, completely dazed, has no idea what happened because he didn't turn the lights on. Um, and he's like, I had to pick him. It was a thing. Um, so I think, I think that happens to us in our own life. We decide I'm going to kind of wander around in the dark because I'm afraid of what the light may bring. What I'm talking about is God. Like I'm afraid to bring God into this situation. I don't know if I want him to see. I don't know if I want to be that aware of what's going on, unfortunately, that happens to us. And I think it could be similar consequences, you know, taking our lives into our own hands. So we've been walking through a series called Keeping It 100, which is kind of funny. And actually, Brittany Willie, I don't know if you know her, but she was correcting Derek that he should be saying Keeping It 100. That's how you're supposed to say it. But we're too old and not cool. So we just say Keeping It 100. And that's as, that's as hip as we can be. Um, but we're trying, you know. So today we're talking about holiness. We've been previously talking about how we really feel like we want to be people who are all in. And that's what we mean by keeping it 100. That Derek talked the very first time in this series about how he, small groups, and how we feel like God is really calling us to be people of radical community. That we would just love each other. That we would be um, just different than the way that the world does community, that we would love on each other. And so um, that's kind of how we started. And then he talked about taking up your cross and about how really measuring the weight of what it means to be a Christian. And then last week, he talked about loving one another 
and more of that kind of radical community stuff. And today we're going to talk about holiness, as I said, all in the theme of keeping it 100. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get started. Holy Spirit, come. God, I thank you for what you've been doing today. Lord, I thank you that you've been kind of preparing our hearts for this, I feel like, all morning, just in worship and um, what Derek was praying and what you've been doing. So God, I pray that more of you would come and less of me. Lord, that you would speak through me and that you would prepare our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, which Ian made a slide for me because he's awesome. So I'm going to read it. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So chapter 13, that first verse, or verse 13 rather, starts with the word therefore. And whenever you see the word therefore, you need to look back and see what it's Therefore, I was testing you, how churchy you are. Um, so we're going to look back at previous and see what does that mean. Because the therefore is like tying one thing to the other thing. And previously, what Peter is talking about is Jesus coming and salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what a great thing that is. He says that even the prophets were looking and trying to figure out when is Jesus coming and what does this mean for us? It was revealed to them that this is not as much for you as it is for the Christians who come after Jesus so that they can look back and say, oh, this makes sense. God said this would happen and this is how it happened. And so it says there that even the angels wonder and want to understand this great gift of Jesus coming and the Holy Spirit. So he's saying this is a great thing that happened. Even the angels don't understand it, but they want to. And so because of that great gift, therefore, prepare your minds for action. So I don't know if you see it here, but Peter's really setting us up for a purpose. It's saying because of this gift that's been given you, here's the purpose for that. And so when we look here, we can say, well, what's the action? What's the purpose? What are we called to do? And if we people who follow Jesus are called to be a royal priesthood. It says that in chapter 2, verse 9, and I'll kind of unpack that a little bit, but it says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So what that means is that we, people who follow Jesus, are to be royal in that we are of the kingdom the kingdom of God, and a priesthood, meaning that we represent God to the people and we represent the people to God. So we're supposed to be the go-between between what's going on here on earth and what's going on in the kingdom of God. So we should really understand that. And holiness from the Old Testament to the New Testament is kind of different. We're a royal priesthood following Jesus coming. And the reason is that in the Old Testament, 
what happened is the way holiness was understood is that if you touch something that was unclean, if you somehow were unclean, you couldn't come into the presence of God. And so even if you touch something that touched something that was unclean, so say Pete touches a dead body, and then I go and say, hi, Pete, give him a high five. I am now unclean, as is Pete. And so we cannot come into the presence of God when we're unclean. That's the kind of the view of holiness. So the thing that is holy then takes on the uncleanness. He can transfer his uncleanness or the uncleanness to me. But then Jesus comes, and Jesus says, I'm holy. I'll come down and be amongst you guys. And instead of when me touching you, you make me unclean, I will then make you clean. Does that make sense? So Jesus comes, and he brings the holiness, and then he says, you can have it too, and you can have it too, and you can have it too. And so our job as a royal priesthood is to say, okay, God, we're going to be filled with that. We're going to be filled with that holiness and, we're gonna, and that light, and we're going to spread it around. So that's our job. That's kind of our purpose. Um, and so that's kind of di- the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But, so what does that mean practically, though? It means that we are the people who can figure out what's going on. We're the people who can see the darkness and fight the darkness. We're the people who fight for the rights of every life, even though it might be easier to just toss them aside. Or we're the people who come alongside the people who are hungry or sad or mourning, and we say, nope, this isn't right, and there's hope for you, and let me feed you, and let me help you with your need, but also let me tell you about Jesus and the hope that he brings. That's what it means to be a royal priesthood, to bring God into those situations, to pray for the sick, believing that the light of God can touch them and can heal anything. So we are the ones, as I said, who should be able to see most clearly how the world works. We should be able to understand how the kingdom of heaven works and see God moving in people's lives. We should be able to see the schemes of the enemy and really feel clearly what the will of God is because we're deliverers and messengers of the kingdom of heaven, because we've taken on that holiness that Jesus offers. So in order to do that, Peter says that we have to prepare. So how do we prepare? It says, be self-controlled, be obedient children, do not be conformed to evil desires, be holy. So how can we be this royal priesthood that we're called to? We need to be self-controlled, we need to be obedient, and we need to be holy. So the way that we prepare ourselves to do the purpose that God has created us to do is in holiness. We can only be good conductors of the light of God such that we are holy, such that we are the same substance as Jesus. Jesus is holy. He says, Be holy because I am holy. And so if we allow things in our lives that darken our light, then it's harder for the light of God to pass through us. Does that make sense? If we're supposed to be a royal priesthood who bring the kingdom of heaven down, then we need to be good conductors of that light. And I know that holiness isn't the most popular of topics. And when God told me that I was speaking on holiness, I was like, I'd rather not, because it's not fun. In 21st century America, I think not many people really consider holiness. They might think of what's good and bad, or what 
I should do while people are watching. But I don't think we often consider holiness. And holiness, by definition, is to be set apart. So set apart from sin and set apart for God. Not for you, not any part for you, for God. And that's what happens whenever we say yes to Jesus. And if somebody didn't tell you that right, I'm sorry. (laughs) That's what happens. When we say yes, Jesus, we want you. We want you to call the shots. We want you to be Lord of our lives. We want you to take it all. That means it's not me anymore that lives. These are not my hands. These are not my lips. The thoughts that enter my brain are not really mine. I need to control those things for God, not for me. Not at all for me. So I think often we think that holiness is relative. Like I mentioned, like we need to be holy at church or when church people are around. We need to act a certain way. If someone is around who might call me out on it, then I'm going to certainly act a certain way. Or someone who I know is knows I'm a Christian or thinks that I should act a certain way, then I'll be holy. But at work or at school or at parties or at home when everyone else is sleeping, I don't have to worry about holiness so much because it doesn't affect anybody, right? It only just affects me and no one knows. But the fact is that it does matter Because as we, as I said, as we make ourselves such that we can't be good conductors of the light, then we can't help the other people around us, and we're less able even to see in our own lives where the schemes of the enemy are. So I was, as I was praying today about, okay, God, holiness, all right, I'll do it. (laughs) What do you want me to say? I felt like God said, tell them that character matters, that it's not enough to say yes, Jesus, we want you. I mean, and Jesus accepts us all. We really are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I'm not saying it's anything other than that. But don't you want to be a really good conductor of kingdom light? Don't you want to live to your full potential? We're called to be dead to sin. And God gives us freedom to be exactly what he called us to be. Whenever he came and he died for us, he says, you, I have a purpose for you, and I'm going to give it to you, but we can only do that as we make ourselves holy, as we understand even what that purpose is. Our goal is to be like Jesus. Jesus was without sin, no sin at all. And I think sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot, and I certainly have been guilty of saying, yeah, the goal is to be like Jesus, but we never really can be like Jesus, so I'll just try harder. I just do my best. But we're not, we're, the Bible says that we're no longer sinners. That we are saved by Christ. So the goal is to be like Jesus. Not that I would try to be like Jesus. That I would constantly be chasing that as the goal. Becoming like Jesus is a process. Don't get me wrong. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we can fix ourselves. I tried that for a lot of years, and it did not work. But we have to be participants in this holiness thing. As I look at the New Testament, I don't see anywhere where the New Testament writers say that there's sin patterns that probably are going to rule your life till Jesus comes back, so just do your best. 
I feel like that's the narrative we put ourselves in, but I don't see that in the Bible. The New Testament writers say, stop, flee, run from sin. They don't say try. They say do it. Have you ever, we have these lights in our house, especially in the kitchen. This one goes out all the time. We have these overhead lights in our house where there's like maybe three light bulbs in one light, like under a shade. And maybe one light bulb will go out. And we're busy, and we have kids, and so we forget about it. And you can still pretty much see, like you can kind of see what's happening, and but then we forget about the fact that there's even a light out until like the second one goes out. And we can do all the things that we need to do with just two light bulbs, but then whenever Derek says, oh yeah, there's a light bulb out, let me put it in. He puts it in, and there's so much more dirt than I thought there was. We had been living in this house with smudges all over the cabinets and dirt's in the corner, but I couldn't see it before. And so I feel like that's how we live our lives sometimes when we allow this stuff in. It's not that we can't live for Jesus. It's not that we can't um, maneuver the things and avoid the big things in our lives, the blatant ones, but it's those little things that we miss we allow even a trace of that stuff to come in. And I I do want to say, this morning, um, Derek was talking about how it's not always the bad things. We think of sin as, like, the bad things. And we could list, you know, the bad things. But sometimes it's the good things. Sin is not doing what God is asking you to do. Basically, that's it. And so, just recently, I felt like there was a time... Whenever I went to Miami, you guys know we went to Miami at the beginning of January, and something that God, I wasn't planning on sharing this, something that God uh, told me is that you need to stop filling all the holes at the church because I called you to be a pastor. And if you're over here doing this stuff, and you're over here doing this stuff, you're not doing what I called you to do. That's disobedience. That's sin. I was doing really good stuff. I was hanging out with the kids. I was hanging out with the youth. I was cleaning. That's really good stuff. It's not what God told me to do. Do you understand? I think we get really busy even. If we're good Christians, we get really busy with the good stuff even. And that can be sin. So we need to be careful about those things that we allow into our lives. And we need to have people around us who can help us kind of call that out or shape that in us. Now I have to figure out where I was because I wasn't planning on saying that. (laughs) Okay, so I know this is hard, and I'm not at all saying that I have it all together. Please don't mishear me. I did not come to stand up here so that you could feel like slouches as you went home because of the sin in your life. That's not what I mean. And I do want to just make a little point that the sin, the behaviors that we do, they all come from things in our hearts. There's like a root of something. The behavior is just the symptom of the problem. It's not the problem, typically. And God will tell you what those things are. Fear, often. Anxiety, lack of faith. All of those things. God will tell you those things. And there's hope for you. So as you're sitting here, if you're thinking about the things that may be creeping into your life, there is hope. The end of verse 13 says, Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you, When Jesus Christ is revealed, set your hope on him. It's not that we can fix ourselves. We really can't. It's not that we can self-help our way to being holy. We really can't. 
We can only do this as we set our hope on him, knowing that he came to save us and he will continue that work in us as we set ourselves before him. He'll purify us as we allow him to and ask him to. So I do want to say that being holy is not a, it's not saying that I don't have to do anything. And it's not saying that I have to do it all. It's kind of a both and. We have to set ourselves before God, allow him to examine our hearts and figure out where the roots of the things are and dig them out. I think sometimes we think that God, because I accepted salvation, that God will come down and zap us and make us holy. And until he does, I can't, I don't have strength to do something other than what I'm doing, so I'll just keep doing it. We're just waiting for him to zap me, waiting for him to take this thing for me. If that were true, if God just came down and zapped you and you were sinless, I would be skinny, and that is not the case. <laughs> it is work. It is obedience every day. Sanctification is work. I'm not saying it's striving. It's not. Obedience is work. It's being obedient to what God has asked you to do. And so I think, as I think about the hardness, uh, that's not a word, the difficulty of being obedient, I think about my daughter, who's like, if you know Eden, she is passionate, okay? Um, and so I think about her whenever she knows she's not supposed to hit someone, but someone makes her real mad. And so she's, you can see it in her brain. She's thinking, okay, obedience is not hitting them. I really want to hit them. And so she has this little moment where she's like, trying to like hold it in, trying to be obedient to God or to me. Um, and that's work. That is hard. Not doing the thing that you really want to do because you know that you're not supposed to do it. That is what becoming holy before God is. It's asking him to show us the thing and then be obedient to what he says. And I do want to also say, I keep saying that, keep coming into my brain it's not like this overall feeling god almost never says hey p i need you to take care of a b c d e f do all those things right now god generally says hey this is not good for you let's not do this one thing anymore let's work on that and then you have breakthrough after a while and praise jesus and then later a couple months later usually god is like hey pete this other thing it's not good for you let's not do that anymore it's not like this overarching feeling of guilt. Jesus died for your guilt. You don't have to live with that anymore. So I kind of want to drill this down a little bit. Yes. We can be free for, we cannot be free from our sin as long as we keep it hidden. And so I feel like as I was praying, as I was preparing, God really wants us to confess. Derek was saying that even this morning, like, he completely took my thunder. It's okay. I still love him. Um, as I'm talking, there's maybe some things that are rolling around in your mind that are things that you know that God wants you to deal with. And so I'm going to be quiet for a minute. We're just all going to kind of be quiet. And if you don't have those things, let's just be quiet and ask God to show us what those things are. Will you be quiet with me for a minute?
as God brings those things to your mind, I don't want to cut anybody off. If you need to spend time with the Lord on this, you need to do it. Um, but it's really good to confess to God. It's also really good to confess to a person. And so if there's something in your brain that you feel like God wants to take, I want you to think you can. Con- there's going to be people back there to pray for you. You're, you can absolutely confess something and have them pray for you. I want you to think of a person who you can confess that to. And honestly, the more people, the better. Because what happens is we confess our sin. It takes some of the power away from that. And so you're going to say, hey, there's this thing that I'm struggling with. I feel like God wants to take it from me. Will you pray with me? And if it's a behavior, just say, will you pray with me and help me figure out? Tell, ask God to tell me what, where this started, what's the root of this, and how I can get rid of it. And then will you help me come up with a plan? Because I think often we know the things, but we don't come up with a plan for what we're going to do when we're faced with the situation. And so if you are someone who can't be alone with your computer without finding yourself in places where you shouldn't be, don't be alone with your computer. Do your work or whatever you need to do with someone sitting beside you who can hold you accountable. If you're someone who can't be in the break room with other people without gossiping, if you're in the break room and someone walks in, walk out. We have to have really good plans for how we're going to manage these things. Just at the beginning of the month, whenever Derek was talking about his blood pressure was going crazy and that was a giant thing in our house, I decided we were not going to have any more candy in our house. That was hard for me because as a mom, I'm like, oh, the kids love candy. Um, and so, but no, like we had, Derek and I have had an unhealthy relationship with food for as long as either one of us can remember. And so it came time where it was like, no. We cannot have this in our house any longer. And honestly, do the kids really need candy? No, they don't. They can still have candy at birthday parties and all of that, but we had to just be real with who we are and say we need to set these limits and these boundaries in our lives so that we run to Jesus instead of to something else. And that is true of all of us. If we want to be people who change this city, if we want to be people who live in radical community, We have got to be ruthless with the things we allow in our lives. God can use us as we are humble and as we are holy. And the beauty is that he's the one who makes us holy. He gives us homework, but even the strength to do the things comes from him. So as you have those things, I want you to be thinking about that and coming up with a plan and confessing. Because we really do want to see this city changed. I think we all really want that. I think we all want to live lives that are um, just radical in the way that we live for Jesus. 